Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio WFMP Louisville, broadcasting to you from here in the historic Hayburn building. We're keeping it chilly in the Hayburn so that we can save some fossil fuels today. The topic we're going to discuss today is solar. Before we get to that... Uh, I just want to encourage you all again to become a part of this community radio station. Go to forwardradio.org where you can, of course, catch our live stream anytime and our podcasts. But it's also where you go to get involved. This is a community radio station. We'd love to have you, the community, behind the microphones and behind the scenes, helping us sustain this great community resource. You can also sustain it with your contributions. And we are always looking for uh, listeners to support us at forwardradio.org. You can click donate, chip in whatever you can. It only takes $20 a day to keep this great thing going. So uh, maybe you could sponsor an entire day's broadcast at forwardradio.org. All right. Well, I've brought in some friends from from uh, around the community, as usual, here on Forward Radio to talk about sustainability. We're going to talk about renewable energy with uh, two folks from the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. I'm so glad to welcome back into the studio Sam Avery and Margaret Stewart. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The excuse for getting you all back here today is that coming up on Wednesday, it's the next Real Good News, right? You want to talk about the history of this Real Good News thing? Well, it... I guess this is going to be our eighth or ninth one, Sam. Oh, wow. Which one? Yeah, ninth um, one. Yeah. We've started doing quarterly presentations back right before the pandemic hit. We were going oh, to really? do live. It started that long ago. We were going to do live. <laughs> that was the original intention, yeah. but pandemic changed plans. <laughs> and anyway, we had too much to talk about to fit all in one program. So we've been doing <laughs> Zooms at intervals um, through the pandemic and, and ongoing, uh, talking about renewable energy right here in Louisville. Right. And, um, and I love that it's good news, right? This is actually good news in general, right? And it all kicked off with some good news from a resolution passed by Metro Council, right? Right. Yes. And the purpose of uh, the real good news is to kind of keep uh, keep an eye on Metro Council and say, okay, you, we passed this resolution. Now what are you going to do about now it? it? Now what? Now what? <laughs> right. Exactly. Physics can't wait here for us. We right. really need to uh, get on the stick with uh, renewable energy well not just for the metro council but the mayor's office we're hoping we'll pay attention uh, to what we and we actually had one forum um, on the mayoral candidates and their That's views right. on renewable energy and energy in in the city that's so. right and yeah. we heard some encouraging things at that one too so we've just sworn in a new mayor craig greenberg what are how are we reading those tea leaves about his uh, approach to climate change and renewable energy well he was very positive about both of those uh, during the mayoral forum that we had um and he's still i've talked to him a couple times just informally and uh, he's very interested in this um, we're, yeah, he's got some other things on his plate, though. He's, this is not the only right. thing he has to, to work on right now. Um, but uh, he is still interested in um, what we're doing right now is kind of shifting not all of our focus, but some of our focus from Metro Council, which is the legislative branch of city government, to the mayor's office, which is the executive branch. And at the uh, real good news that we'll have coming up on Wednesday, we have uh, some city workers there um, from the Office of Sustainability and uh, Advanced Planning and office, also the energy manager for the city. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, Zach Tyler will be there because what we're proposing is something that that they should <laughs> – they we want them to know about because we're doing – I mean, we're doing the – 
we're, we're proposing something that they will actually have to execute because they're the executive branch, yeah. right? So that's why we wanted them to come to this program in particular. And let me give the details really quick. If people are curious to learn more, join us on Wednesday the 11th at 7 p.m. on Zoom. This will be an online presentation about uh, a solar farm for Louisville, question mark. Uh, and you can learn more and register for it at RenewableEnergyLouisville.org. Uh, and uh, any, anything else you want to say about the speakers coming up this Wednesday? Well, I'd like to back up just a little yeah. bit and talk about the resolution oh, sure. that we got the Metro Council to pass, sure. because that's part of what really uh, yeah. real was instrumental about two years ago now? Yeah. Three, Three years, years Three ago. Years oh, ago my now. goodness. I'm losing track. <laughs> Three years ago. Instrumental in, in the fact that it wouldn't have happened unless right. we'd, we'd yeah. done it. Really. And anyway. there were some key Metro Council people who yes, you worked with. Mm -hmm. yes. Want to shout those folks out? Well, Marcus Winkler, yeah. uh, Nicole George, um, who else? Um, I'm drawing blank, Sam. Well, it's been three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, right. I want to give credit where it's due. Yeah. Bill Hollander was very supportive. Oh, good. We yeah. had we had a number of strong supporters, thankfully. But the resolution was passed in February three years ago. Wow! And there are three stages to this resolution. Right. Right. Uh, for renewable energy for the city. The first stage would be coming up 2030 for the city operations to be clean, renewable electricity. So for everything owned by Metro Louisville, the government itself, is going to be moving to renewable exactly, energy. Exactly. Right. Okay. But, well, this would be, the first goal is for renewable electricity. Oh, just the, the electricity. Second, okay. That's 2030. The second goal for 2035 is all the energy used by city in, that would include transportation, right. importantly. Right. And then the final goal for citywide, that would include all of us, yeah. residents, business, everything, is clean, renewable energy citywide by 2040. Wow. Um, so does that mean uh, no airplanes? Or what are we talking about here? Because we well, haven't quite figured that one out It's, it's subject to interpretation. <laughs> but I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's 2040. And, of course, the, uh, the, the U.N., Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has said that we really have to do this by 2050. Yeah. But so we know there's going to be some, you know, we're not going to get everything down to the last nickel. Right. But the sooner we do it, the more we'll know about how to do it. And uh, you, you ask about airplanes. That's something that's, you know, that that's not going to happen first. That's going to be down the line right, a little right, bit. Right, right, right. And uh, I know because I, I just... I was just got off an airplane a little while ago, and I feel pretty lousy about it. <laughs> but I want, I'd like to feel better about it, and well, there are ways to do that. Well, exactly. And one of the things I'd like to see our city focus on right now is actually organizing to get passenger rail returned to Louisville. So Amtrak released this new map of its service that it plans with the new infrastructure bill and everything, and Louisville was on the map. All but right. we're not going to get it if we don't organize to get that funding. And I don't see anybody in our city doing that. Uh, so those are the kinds of things I think that if we want to tackle some of those bigger transportation issues, you know, we got to start organizing around too. But the, th the thing about this resolution was it, it wasn't really prescriptive about what kind of energy source other than that it's renewable, right? Right. Uh, or how we're going to get there. And that's where it really does take a lot of people coming together to figure out, well, okay, this is a great goal, but how do we really do it? Well, that's yeah. exactly what this program is about on Wednesday. Because, uh, as Margaret mentioned, the first goal 
is renewable electricity for all city operations. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of energy, but it's not nearly as big as the whole community. Right. It's about 1%, actually. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So that includes things like street lights yes. and stoplights. Exactly. And then all the buildings that Metro owns and right. any electric vehicles they currently have, all that stuff. Right. And what I've learned from working at UofL trying to achieve similar goals is we could put solar panels on every rooftop <laughs> on campus and still be only at a small fraction of our energy needs, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so this is talking about on Wednesday, we're going to talk about, well, how do we go big scale, right? Right. Right. Exactly. And so uh, it happens that... Uh, I have a, a friend, somebody I know, I've gotten to know pretty well, who's building a 500-acre uh, solar installation in Hart County, down south of here. Wow, 500 acres? Yes. <laughs> that's <Wow>. massive. <laughs> right, it is. But that's, interestingly, that's about the size we need. Is it? For the first phase, for the 2030 goal. Wow. We need about 500 acres of solar panels right. in order to produce all the renewable electricity for city operations. Wow. So that's why I've invited Rob, this friend of mine, to come and speak at the uh, program on Wednesday night. Rob Calbus. Rob Calbus is his name. He works for a company called uh, Leeward Energy or Leeward Energy. Okay. And they uh, they specialize in wind and solar. Oh, wow. So, so he has experience in building at scale. Yes. These really large uh, solar fields. Uh, and is is the is the city considering like issuing a request for proposals about this kind of thing or are we not even there yet we're not quite there <laughs> okay, yet okay okay we there are some of the groundwork has been laid there there was a request for proposals by the city to study the possibility of partial municipalization and what that means is that uh, the city has responded to this goal they're trying to get this goal passed uh, okay uh, achieved implemented met, <laughs> met passed whatever but uh, one you know one way they could do it is to set up their own utility independent of LG&E so that's what this partial municipalization there they want to municipal municipalize it's a tough their, word <laughs> their their electrical purchasing in other words make the utilities at least partially public rather than currently in private yes. hands of LG&E exactly okay. right and so that's one way if we got that partial municipalization we could hook that up to a large 500-acre solar installation and produce all the electricity for city operations. So wow. That's one way we could actually do what the what the first goal of the resolution is all about. So, we're, you know, it's been three years. It's time to scratch your heads and say, okay, this is a possibility right here. Yeah. And, it's, of course, it's up to the city to do it, and it's our job to present it a possibility to them say these are people who could do it you can find other people but these people know how to do it right you could contact them they're they're full of information and if you have a, another way to do it great tell us huh. about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> we we did have one of our previous programs the real good news programs focusing on uh, a lot on what cincinnati has done mm. they're ahead of us and they do have a large solar installation. Now, they have some different regulations, and which made it perhaps easier for them to achieve it. But they are lowering rates um, and creating a stream of income for the city through what they have done. They're saving millions of dollars by going solar. Wow. In Cincinnati. And so help me understand, did they municipalize their utilities there? They, that what Margaret was 
talking about was they on the state level, they do not require uh, a monopoly of electrical production for cities. So Ohio law is different than yes. Kentucky in that Kentucky regard. Kentucky law, we're subject to uh, the jurisdiction of the Public Service Commission, which right. is statewide. Right. And subject to legislation which requires a uh, utility monopoly. Wow! Uh, one, one requires monopoly. a monopoly. Yes. Well, well, <laughs> the, 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 and there is some there is some reason for that. You don't want you know fifteen sets of wires come into every sure, house, sure, and then pick which <laughs> which electricity <laughs> you want to buy. So it, it's a natural monopoly. But the problem is that it's a mon natural monopoly that was created way before. Anybody knew anything about the climate and about carbon uh, pollution, and it's it's not adapting very well so far. So that's why we need to either municipalize this city's uh, purchase of electricity, partial and then maybe complete, or we need to work out something with LG&E. And I think the best way to do that is to pursue municipalization okay. and then say, okay, this is what we're spending $12, 13000000 million a year on electricity, just for city operations. Really? Yes. Wow. So we, we can get that cheaper if we go solar. Huh. So you guys need to work out something with us. So you can make this case just from a financial standpoint. Yes, you, you can. Definitely. You can. Um, the, the one thing of, that LG&E would respond is to say, well, we've in, invested all these millions of dollars into coal and, and uh, gas. Yes. So, but uh, but the, the, the lie there is, and it's not really a lie, but it's the... The, the hidden fact the is. The hidden fact <laughs> is that they're talking about investing $1.2 billion more in two new fossil fuel infrastructure Gas-fired power plants. Wow. They just proposed about a month ago. Wow. Right. Two new ones. So then, That would last for decades. Right, right. right. Once so you make that investment, you're not going to turn on a dime. Lock exactly. us into fossil fuels firms. Hmm. So the first thing we need to do is stop all new fossil fuel right. infrastructure. Right. And you can't do that until you have an alternative, until you say, instead of doing that, let's do this. Right. Right. And there, there are problems with it. We, we have to talk about storage. We have to talk about intermittency. We have to deal with the, the pros and the cons of solar. But the way to really find out about that is to do it. Yeah. On a small, uh, 500 acres sounds like a big scale. But for, for the, what we're talking about here, it's not big. It's just 1% of the yeah, overall city's exactly. electricity. Okay. Uh, one other thing is the technology is already there. We don't yeah. have to invent something new to right. do this. It is being done elsewhere. It works great. It, it's the lowest cost option right now. So why not do right. that? With, with acknowledgement that the technology continues to evolve, right. even though it already exists. And the storage especially. Will, better. The yeah. storage especially is continuing rap to rapidly evolve. Yeah. So. My guests here on Sustainability Now today are Margaret Stewart and Sam Avery from REAL, the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. And they are hosting this Wednesday, the 11th at 7 p.m., the next quarterly or so REAL Good News event, talking specifically about the possibility of a solar farm for Louisville. Uh, you can learn more uh, and uh, register for Wednesday's event at RenewableEnergyLouisville.org. Uh, so we're going to hear from two f speakers on Wednesday. Uh, you already mentioned.
mentioned uh, the installer in Hart County, uh, Rob, but we're also going to hear from Julie Donna, right? Yes. And um, she's a former guest on this program and used to work for Metro Government. Yes, she was in the position uh, in the Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability and did great work and we yeah. coordinated a lot with her there. Uh, she is now with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth as the uh, in Climate justice Climate organizer. Justice organizer. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I heard that, and I haven't had a chance to just sit down with her and ask her what that means. What are you doing? Um, so, but, well, we can uh, justice definitely fits yeah. in here with the climate, <laughs> you know, because when there are whatever kind of gas-fired or coal power plants, they're usually located in a part of town that's less privileged. Let's yeah. just say, yeah, uh, and it gets more reaps more of the hazards yeah. like the uh, pollution and so forth. Well, and, and groups like KFTC are interested in these kinds of issues at a statewide level out of this concern for justice as well as sustainability, right? But knowing that a lot of the fossil fuel pollution, the burden of that is especially held by the most marginalized people in, in our state, and that we need a just transition for Kentucky from the coal and fossil fuel industry to something better, right? And so talking about large-scale solar, that means jobs, right? Definitely. It definitely does, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I talk about one of the big disadvantages of large-scale solar? Yes, let's let's talk about it. Let's not, okay, let's not uh, totally sugarcoat all, all this, right? right? <laughs> and that, and, and if, if it, you've been listeners have been paying any attention to a lot of the uh, proposed solar developments in the state recently, they they have noticed that there's a lot of opposition to it, and the reason is, and this is a very good reason, is land use. Sure. That's a huge That's amount a of, land. of land that right. could be doing something else. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and so a lot of people say, well, you know, you're taking farmland and you're taking it away. You're taking it out of production. Um, but what we should realize here is that large-scale solar is an immediate fix to this problem. It can it, We can do it in the next few years. Okay. But it's not the long-term fix. And what that means is that... Uh, you can go in and, and you can drive stakes into the ground. I know I'm a, I'm a solar installer, at least was. And uh, we, we would go in and we'd pound these stakes into the ground and set up these large solar arrays. Not Nothing like 500 acres, but, yeah. but a large array. And, uh, but you can go back in. Uh, usually these, these uh, installations last 30, 40, 50 years. But you can go in when this array is, is done. And pull those stakes back up again, and you get your field back. Mm -hmm. So it's not taking, it's not going in and paving anything. It's not building uh, foundations and right. construction. It's not taking it away from agricultural permanently. It's not taking it away from any other use. Permanently. You don't release toxins into the soil. There's no uh, smoke. There's no. And the land can be used for some sorts of grazing and That's right. some limited farming. I've even read about vineyards underneath solar oh, yeah. installations. Yes, with panels that tilt uh -huh. and allow the sunlight to hit the crops at certain uh -huh. times and catch the sun. And, you know, so. Yeah, I've heard of agri-solar, right, where you yes. combine some mm -hmm. of these grazing or, yeah. or even, yeah, I haven't heard much about uh, vegetable or fruit production, but sure, I'm sure there are smart ways to do it. Uh, and you're absolutely right that it doesn't have to be a permanent disruption or certainly not toxifying mm -hmm. the landscape. Um, what I, about I would... cases where it might be so radical as to require forest removal? Well, 
Uh, I don't know anybody who's advocating. Okay, that. good. <laughs> but there's there's a lot there are a lot of brown fields out there. Absolutely, there's a lot of agricultural land owned by farmers who could would li- really love to have some passive income through yeah. this and still be able to use the land for other things. Yeah. And so what 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 I think the thing we have to realize about the the large scale stuff that we're talking about here is this is an emergency measure. Mm. We need to do this now, even before rooftop solar. Rooftop or solar along is, with rooftop well, solar. Well, yes, we knew, not, but not instead of. Not instead of, <laughs> right? But rooftop solar. Everybody owns this, their own roof. Yeah, <laughs> and you got it. There's so many different types of roofs, different mounting systems, different inclinations amongst people. Mm. You're not going to get this problem solved quickly, right? Just with rooftop solar. Right. And I say, I, I was a rooftop solar installer, <laughs> and I, I, saw, I know this. Yeah. Uh, so I think what we need to do is to keep pushing rooftop solar, and we have to think about long-range technological solutions, like, right. like deep, deep geo, deep um, geothermal, geothermal, right? Uh, also, you know, space-based solar panels. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing saying we can't do it. That, I think, is a long-range solution to huh. this thing but before we get there we need an emergency measure something that'll last the next generation get us out of this fix we're in now and then give us time to come up with more permanent things then we could go back in and pull all those stakes out and and grow corn or cattle or whatever else you want to do with that land it's still going to be there and you say that because help me understand what your vision then your long-term vision is where would we be where we wouldn't need these large-scale solar fields? Okay, well, you're talking what? No, <laughs> I was going to say, back, back to rooftop solar, for one thing, we would hopefully have a lot more. Okay, eventually that'll be more widely Any deployed. new construction, okay. if we could get requirements for new construction to be solar ready mm. even, um, with the siding and the clearance of trees and not to be planted right on top of the building or, or right where they overhang the building rather right. mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing so yeah. we could have combination of geothermal and not just the deep geothermal but the horizontal geothermal the Colt building here in Louisville I don't know if you're aware That's right. has the geothermal, geothermal. Mm-hmm. and it it's a, can be a great help we need to do all those things, plus a lot more energy efficiency, Yeah, and which we mentioned Zach Tyler. He's been great. He's been on the job two years now, I think. The and energy manager for Louisville. Yeah. City energy manager. He was hired after our resolution. I, I, I like to think we had a, a, oh, we a, a, a role in, in <laughs> that. I don't know for sure, but at any rate. Um, Jack owes us big. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at any, well, I was going to say he has already saved the city over a million dollars right. um, in the two years that well, he's been one on of those the job positions that clearly working. pays for itself really quickly, more than, <laughs> much more than. And so. that just points to how wasteful day-to-day life in Louisville in the U.S. is in terms of energy use. It's not that we're saying we want people to not enjoy the comforts they're used to. It's that we don't need to waste a ton of energy to do that. Right. Right. Uh, and, it, and that looks so many different ways, whether it's behavior change about turning things off or whether it's efficient buildings themselves and insulation and all that kind of stuff. There are many, many things we need to do, but they're slow, like you said, yeah. right? right. And, and we can't get there tomorrow, but we could build a solar farm this year yes. and turn it on and realistically have 
a I don't know what what's realistically in terms of a percentage of our energy in in Louisville that could be solar from these kinds of farms. Hundred percent. Wow. Well, I'm, just I'm from talking solar. About, I'm talking about this for city, city operations yeah. for the, sure. the 2030 goal. We could do that hundred percent. But that's only one percent of our energy right. needs. So by 2040, we we're supposed to have community wide. So. I think we're going to need some new technologies by then. But you're talking, you know, a better part of 20 years. Okay. So a lot's going to happen in that yeah. time. But and one of them is going to be uh, we may have to expand the large-scale solar also, but we'll know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Learn by doing. Hopefully. And, and we haven't mentioned hydro, but Kentucky has potential for more hydro than we get now. So we can combine that also to help reduce the need for large-scale solar but it it won't be as significant uh, sure um, but it's there too. yeah and what about wind wind is great and it's 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 this is not the best area for wind but it's it's it works here mm -hmm. and there's also possibilities of combined wind and solar acreage so that you could oh, do oh interesting i have yeah. never seen that but you're yeah, right why right. not yeah because it you know they they the 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 wind turbines do not block all the sun. Right, and right. It, and so there's there's a good way to do that. Huh. And uh, we can also access wind from other areas. Yes. But I think we can, uh, we have to be careful about that because that's an easy way out. <laughs> <laughs> sort of buy and our way out. Part of, the, part of the idea of the resolution is, yes, we want to say we're all renewable here, but we want to contribute to the global effort to make this transition. So by taking care of my producing our own electricity, we're, uh, we're part of that. Mm. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is how to pay for this large solar installation. Right. I think we should talk about that a little bit. Sure. Good idea. How much would this cost? Zero cents. <laughs> <laughs> it'll cost somebody, but no, we don't have to pay it. No, no, the city won't be, have to pay it. It'll be paid for by people who want to make money. Okay, and the way this works is it's something that uh, is called a power purchase agreement, okay. a PPA. Okay, and what the way this works is, and, not, and uh, LG&E is already doing this with some solar developers. But what you do is you say, okay, Mr. Solar Developer, I'll pay you so much a kilowatt hour, and you go find the land, build the array, build the transmission lines. And before you get any anything from me, you got to produce that electricity, and I'll pay you guaranteed for 30, 40 years, whatever the— Sign a long-term contract right, with them. Right, yeah. right. And that way the developer has a guaranteed income stream. Right, right. So he knows exactly how much money he's going to make, and he knows when he's going to make it. And, and he also knows that his cost for supply of sunlight is not going zero. to increase. Yeah, yeah. The cost of gas, meanwhile, can go up, 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 and and the potential for leaks and things you have to deal with with, say, gas can go up. Well, and that's you why know. you can sign so a long-term contract you can sign because long, you, there are no costs for more sun, right? There's, right. There's no cost. After the installation, There's uh, the fuel. solar is virtually maintenance-free. Right. It's a solid state. You put there's no moving parts. You just plug it in and walk away. Yeah. Virtually. I mean, there are things do come up, but uh, it's th there's no cost right after you get it in there, and so that's that's the full thing. Is that I put upfront. my money on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
good. Yeah. Sounds like a good bet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. Um, and it might actually mean a financial savings for the city, too, right? Talk a little bit about how that would look. Well, if we're not paying for sunlight by the pound or the ton or the <laughs> uh, whatever, feet, cubic yes. foot of sunlight. <laughs> yes, that's one of the things I said to the Metro Council in one of my talks. And by the way, we that's one of the things that Real does. We have uh, given, hopefully, at every meeting of the Metro Council, just uh, someone, different people all the time, to in- encourage the council to pay attention yeah um, i love and, that little watchdoggy uh ad- constant yeah. advocacy work yeah. yes 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 yeah. so um we can facilitate anyone to sign up for that we can steer you to <laughs> learn how to do that but anyway um so if people want to learn more and want to get involved in that, they can go to RenewableEnergyLouisville.org, which is also where you can sign up for the Zoom coming up this Wednesday, the 11th at 7 p.m. The next quarterly Real Good News is going to be on a solar farm for Louisville uh, with Rob Calbus, who's a solar installer working on the Thoroughbred Solar Installation in Hart County, and Julie Dunn, a climate justice organizer with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. There'll also be a little music from activist John Gay. Uh, so it's going to be a great event this coming Wednesday. We encourage everybody to uh, tune in and register at RenewableEnergyLouisville.org. My guests today here on Sustainability Now are Sam Avery and Margaret Stewart from Real, the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. Um, so why why ground mount solar instead of rooftop? I mentioned that if we covered every building at U of L, we wouldn't supply enough energy for U of L. Uh, but are there other reasons why we need to? pursue that kind of a system? Well, uh, I, I've had experience with both rooftop and ground mount. Yeah. And uh, ground mount, you can you can orient it just exactly the way you want it. Right. Roofs always have a pitch right. and all that. <laughs> right. So there's, there's going to be a little bit of uh, loss of efficiency. Okay. Most of the time, I mean, you can actually mount a solar panel due west or due east and still get 85% production. Wow. wow. So it's it's not that big a factor. But the bigger factor is that you got uh, you know rooftops which were not designed for solar, which is all of them, <laughs> <laughs> until we pass a, a, a statewide, again, we have to deal with a state, uh, in their building code that would require oh. solar-ready construction. And what exactly does that mean for people who aren't familiar? Why, why can't... Any well, roof handle a solar panel? Well, because uh, you got a chimney up there. Uh, uh, you got people building these uh, uh, McMansions, we yeah. call them, <laughs> with lots of gables and lots of fancy stuff up there. Yeah. We got plumbing pipes sticking up. Oh, wow. Uh, we got all kinds of stuff up there that is that people put up there because it's there's Wasted no reason space, not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you might you, as well. If your roof is old, you don't want to put solar panels on it until you get a new roof. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we're actually working some of the city has buildings like fire stations or the library, the main library or other libraries that uh, would be suitable for solar installations, but some of them need new roof new, first. New roof first, and uh, yes. that's an added expense, yeah. yeah. Well, Which, it's, a, it's it's an added expense, but you're, something you're going to run into. You're going to need to do. Right. Yeah. And, and the solar, my understanding, is actually helps preserve the lifespan of the roof. Yeah, it shades it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it help with the urban heat island effect, too? Yes, it does. I'm not sure to what extent, mm. but actually you're taking that energy from going in and heating the roof. Right. You're taking that and turning it into electricity. Right. 
So you are, you know, you are cooling that roof. Yeah. Okay, I think I understand that. I, there still is tons of potential for rooftop solar, though, yes, in Louisville. We, there is. We don't want to give the wrong message that that era is past oh, or no. something. And, right. and I will say, for rooftop solar, this past year, the Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability was behind the solar over Louisville, so which successful. was great. Yeah. Um, it helped facilitate solar installation for a number of uh, residences. And they will have that program again for That's 2023 right. this year. That's right. So keep keep on the lookout for Solar Over Louisville. If you're at all interested, uh, sign up to get more information with that when they open up the yeah. sign-ups. Yeah. And uh, Sumeda Rao is the one controlling that, or uh, running that program, managing. And she's going to be on uh, uh, at, at the program on Excellent. Wednesday. Excellent. And uh, she will... Uh, she, actually is doing what Julie Donna did yeah. years ago. <laughs> so uh, so we, we, we've gotten to know these people pretty well. Yeah. And they, they help us and we help them. And, of course, Solar Over Louisville could pay for a ground mount system at your home or business, too. You could, it could. You could put a ground mount system over, say, your parking lot for your church, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, um, but all of those things are private investments yes. that the government is helping facilitate and doing sort of right. a bulk order, so there's a little bit of a discount, which is great. We need private investment in renewable energy. But when we talk about a solar farm for the city's electricity, then we're talking about a public investment, Right. Actually, yes, but it's it's an investment over time. It's not an upfront investment. The city it's, won't it's necessarily city. own it because yeah, the city don't, doesn't don't have, have the resources to. to. Yeah. They don't have to own it. Yeah, they just that they have to agree to pay every month for thirty years, which is what you have to do anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just paying for solar instead of paying for coal. Yeah. So I imagine LGE might have been might be pushing back against this idea. What have we heard from them? Well, we haven't heard... We've heard the proposal for two new gas-fired power plants. Yeah, plans. that's what we've heard from them, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, I sense from Elgini, they, they are still basically a fossil fuel company. That's the way they think. But in their, it's the same application that they made for these two uh, gas-fired power plants. They have said they are going to be building two solar fields themselves... With and they're going to engage in four other solar projects, which are thousands of acres total. Oh, wow, bigs and th with PPAs with power purchase agreements. Huh. See, a power purchase agreement you can get a utility can do that. Huh. In fact, uh, if we can't get partial municipalization, where the city of Louisville would be contract would be contracting with a solar developer, we might be able to get LGE to do it. Hmm. See, wow. LGE go out there, find somebody, build this thing and and get them to supply this power and we'll guarantee to pay for it. Hmm. Over over time. Now when we start talking about these power purchases agreements, uh it makes me think about our statewide laws again. I, I I used to be under the impression that there was laws against power purchase agreements in Kentucky. Has that evolved? Or? Certain kinds of them. Okay. A There's sleeved. a sleeve power purchase agreement. Oh, yeah. what does that mean? <laughs> you, you Without getting that too better technical. Than I am. Well, <laughs> it's exactly what we're talking about. Okay. A sleeved power purchase would be uh, where the power goes just for a particular customer, like the city of Louisville. That's okay in state laws, what you're saying? That That is questionable in state laws. Okay. <laughs> somehow, somehow, LG&E is already doing that uh, okay. with, uh, with Toyota, 
And oh, what's, really? Yeah, they're building. What, what's the uh, other? There's a number of other companies. And also, University of Louisville. UofL's in on one right. of those contracts. And University Absolutely. So, okay, so they're getting something like a quarter of the total production. But that's a power purchase agreement yeah. through LG&E. Okay. So I would love to see LG&E get on board on this right. stuff. Because they, right. they know even more than we do sure. about electricity. Sure. <laughs> so we'd like to use that knowledge. <laughs> we just have to convince them that they got to stop burning ca- carbon-based fuels. That's all we're trying to do here. It just doesn't seem like a wise investment in, oh. from any respect, even if you don't care so much about climate change. Like, wh- in this day and age, why would you go down that road? What possible justification? Uh, well, they also talk about having carbon capture, which is... Now, that's not quest- cheap. <laughs> no, it is terribly expensive and not, not proven. entirely proven, yes. So uh, I don't think we should count on that. But what LG&E- are they going to do with all that carbon they capture? Yes. <laughs> exactly. And it usually, you know, this is they can do it. There's ways of doing carbon capture. The problem is that it takes more energy, more energy. To, yeah. to, yeah. to capture the carbon than it does to burn it. Oh, my gosh. So... <laughs> So if we were to have one of these 500-acre solar farms for Louisville, where would we put it? We talked about, in in general, like some possibilities. Um, Do you all have any ideas about specifically in this region or um, what you'd really like to see in terms of siting? No, I don't know anything about that. And I don't yet. I don't. And on purpose, because it's, that's not my, my job. I'm not mm. out there to, to actually find a site. Now, talk to Rob Calbus. Okay. Okay. He's the one who found the site in Hart County. Okay. And I, Do you I've know anything been, about that site? Yeah, I've been there. Is it a former? No, no it's, it's under, it's, they're permitting right now. Okay. And, um, is it former farmland or what is it? It's, a lot of it is farmland. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, where it would actually go, it, it's going to be more difficult in Jefferson County. And I don't think really this is probably won't be in Jefferson yeah, County. Yeah, I wouldn't suspect. It could be in Bullitt or Mercer County, possibly even in southern Indiana. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Are there interstate rules that would make that harder? It would run into some, okay. some stuff. <laughs> but there, there are ways of doing it. Okay. So that's, you know, that's the kind of thing where we need the experts like Rob, like people already working for the city. Get the mayor behind it. Get the executive branch behind it. They'll find a way to do it. Yeah. What other obstacles exist besides finding the right site? We talked a little bit about legal questions. Are there other obstacles to doing this kind of thing? Well, you would need transmission from wherever the site is. So if the transmission's not already in place, which it may not be, then you need to build the transmission from the solar site. Yeah, good point. That's a that's a big one, and uh, yeah. like the one that Rob is building in Hart County right now has a transmission line going right over it. Oh wow! So he, that he has a way to hook up to it there. Okay, well, and LGN is proposing these two new gas plants. Those would require transmission, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know where. Yeah, they they probably are in places that they already own. I I, I think they okay. are. Okay, that's right. But uh, so yeah, this these might be in a remote area. And there would there would be an expense and also more land use if they have to build a transmission line. Yeah. So yeah. those are things that you know they're they're going to be negative things. And I think the big problem is the the big thing we're going to run to is public opinion, because a lot of people are uh, are just ideologically opposed to solar. 
Mm. You know, I don't know why, but it's it's one it's one of those newfangled things that those people are getting into. You know? <laughs> so we don't really know. Uh, it, the, the the public reception is going to be different in each place, and also people are uh, there's the, the fossil fuel companies have an interest in not developing this stuff. So there's 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 a sort of a public opinion battle going on right now. And you hear the word like industrial solar, mm. which is an interesting thing because it's this it is industrial, mm. but it doesn't. <laughs> you think of smokestacks and <laughs> chimneys and you know noise, noise and, and pollution. There's no noise. <laughs> yeah, there are no trucks. There's no noise. There's no pollution. Uh, and it's you know it, it does it does can change the appearance of an area obviously yeah, yeah absolutely but it's not something that is going to be a nuisance yeah in the way in like an industrial park would be or a danger like a gas exactly. pipeline exactly <laughs> yes right oh. so but but there are people out there who are playing on the fears of people who don't want to see agricultural land developed which this is but uh, Rob will tell you, if you want to preserve agricultural land for the future generations, put some solar panels on it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then, then you'll have your, your land back in 30, 40 A lot years. easier than if someone put a, a Amazon warehouse on yes. it. Or <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> or more McMansions, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly, it'll preserve that land. And you can, as we mentioned, you can also use it for agriculture can, right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, lots of interesting ways to do this. I guess the devil's in the details. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see this kind of work ensure that Jobs are going to people right here in Kentucky who mm -hmm. need them, right? And that it's absolutely it's um, maybe helping spawn a solar manufacturing industry yes. domestically mm -hmm. here in the U.S., right? Where are all these panels going to come from? I, as a solar installer, I used to buy panels manufactured right here in Kentucky. In Kentucky, yeah, yes. In Danville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they, they went out of business. Um, Hard to believe. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it, there was opposition to solar then. And they were a little ahead of their time. Maybe. A little ahead of their time. Right. It but could happen, though, right? It'll, it'll, hap it'll happen again, yes. Yeah. We'll have it again. I, I'm just going back to the land use thinking. Uh, under, um, there are a lot of studies now that show how grasses, the right kinds of grasses and plantings, can capture carbon. Absolutely. And store it. In a safe way. There's your carbon capture, LGA. Put that <laughs> a underneath. Solar farm Why with not some put deep that rooted plants? underneath yeah. <laughs> the solar or and it restores the soil. In the restores soil. the micro uh, organisms in the soil that we need. Yeah. And so we could we could do that at the yeah. same time. It's a both hand. It seems to me. <laughs> I love it. It is real good news from our friends here at the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. Again, we, we encourage you all to check out their Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Uh, Zoom meeting. Uh, it'll last about an hour and a half with a couple speakers, a little bit of music. And you can learn more and register at RenewableEnergyLouisville.org. Uh, Margaret and Sam, thank you so much for taking time today. Is there any last things you want to add before we let you go? It's free, but you got to register. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Don't wait till the last minute. Right. Yeah. It's renewableenergylouisville.org. And you just go there, and you'll see the flyer. Push the button. You'll, they'll take you right in. And then you then all you have to do is show up at 7 o'clock. And you can sign up for a newsletter there or something like that. Get on an email list so you can learn about these advocacy opportunities, yes. right? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I'm sure you'll be doing more real good news throughout 2023. I, I'm hoping we'll have a focus on geothermal coming up. Oh, We've that'd be discussed great. that. So yeah. that's one option. There are too many options, though, really. <laughs> but. Yeah. Well, excellent. I'm really looking forward to Wednesday night's uh, event about Solar Farm, and I thank you for coming into the studio today and educating us all a little bit more about it. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second. This isn't the only thing happening this week for sustainability. I've got a whole calendar of events, so hey, get your pencils sharpened. Get ready to take action for sustainability this week right here on Sustainability Now. Stay tuned. While the sun shines bright on my whole Kentucky home Tis summer and the people are gay And the corn tops rise while the meadows are in bloom Them birds are making music all the day Said weep no more, my lady song for my old Kentucky home, for my old Kentucky home far away. Now the young folks roll on that little captain floor, oh maybe all happy and bright. By and by hard times are coming knocking at the door, my old Kentucky home good Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on Forward Radio WFMP Louisville. I hope you've got your calendars out and your pencils sharpened and are ready to take action for sustainability this week, my friend. Could be your week. There's so much going on. Coming up uh, Tuesday, January 10th, it is a meeting of a new group, Beyond Plastics Louisville, and they are having their monthly meeting on Tuesday, January 10th at 7 p.m. online. Beyond Plastics Louisville meets on the second Tuesday of each month to continue our collaboration on action to reduce plastic pollution. Beyond Plastics Louisville is part of a nationwide grassroots movement to raise awareness about plastic pollution and promote alternatives to single-use plastics. After decades spent promoting recycling, we know that less than 9% of all plastics produced it's actually been recycled. We cannot recycle our way out of the plastic problem. Beyond Plastics seeks and supports sustainable solutions. In keeping with a New Year theme of Out with the Old, In with the New, they are inviting you to join the meeting prepared to share just one example of a new way you've found to swap reusables for disposable plastic. We hope to get some great ideas from each other. At Tuesday's meeting, we'll also follow up on our previous discussion about ways to persuade local restaurants and businesses to reduce single-use plastic. We'll, we'll see examples of sustainability ratings with the apps Yelp and Remark. You will also be able to test a Google form that we could use to compile our own restaurant reviews on plastic use. Learn more and find the link to register for the online meeting at facebook.com groups slash beyond plastic l-o-u-k-y and that's this tuesday january 10th 7 p.m online beyond plastics louisville 
Also, same time, also online, Tuesday, you're going to have to pick, January 10th at 7 p.m. It is Cash Bail, Jail Deaths, New Jail. What are the connections? Join Louisville showing up for racial justice or surge for their monthly meeting. This meeting will have a focus on what cash bail, jail deaths, and the push for a $400 million new jail all have to do with each other. L Surge monthly learning and action meetups are held online every second Tuesday at 7 p.m. You'll learn about their end cash bail campaign and how you can get involved in this work for racial justice, which is deeply connected to economic gender and climate justice. Join the work of this life-saving campaign and bring your energy, commitment, and your understanding that together we can create change. Let's end white silence and continue the work for racial justice. Sign up for the meeting at facebook.com slash surge Louisville, S-U-R-J Louisville, or you can register at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-S-U-R-J meeting. And that's Tuesday the 10th at 7 p.m. online. Now, let's move on to Wednesday, as you heard, on January 11th at 7 p.m., also online. It's the next Real Good News, a solar farm for Louisville. A solar power installer installation in Louisville could go a long way to meeting the city's renewable energy goal. This virtual event on Wednesday will explore how that could become a reality as Real Good News holds its ninth in a series of quarterly public Zoom meetings aimed at making sure Louisville implements its green energy goals. Back in 2020, Metro Council passed a resolution to move the city's operations to 100% clean renewable energy by electricity by 2030. That resolution also set a goal of 100% clean energy for the entire Louisville community by 2040. Wednesday's event will feature a description of a solar project that's underway in Hart County and the steps required to build a similar project right here in Louisville. Speakers will include Rob Calboos, project manager for the Thoroughbred Solar Installation in Hart County, and Julia Donna, climate justice organizer with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Music by Louisville musician and activist John Gage will open and close the event. People attending will also learn about how to attend Metro Council meetings to speak in favor of implementing Louisville's clean energy resolution. The three sponsoring organizations are 100% Real, uh, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, and the Christian Action Group of St. Paul United Methodist Church. So register and learn more at RenewableEnergyLouisville.org for the Wednesday 7 p.m. Zoom. Now, coming up on Friday the 13th. Ooh, it's Friday the 13th already. Well, don't be spooked. Get active for sustainability with the Urban Agriculture Coalition kicking off their Winter Orchard Brigade. I have participated in this uh, communal pruning party and workshop uh, that sort of roves about the city to all of our uh, community food forests uh, around Louisville to do some group pruning together. Uh, If you've never pruned fruit trees before, this is a great place to learn how. uh, And it's a great way to increase the health and productivity of our community orchards which provide valuable food sustainable production throughout the season and nobody else is going to come prune these trees and it is essential for the health of fruit trees and the quality of the fruit produced to 
keep them well pruned. And so coming up on Friday, it all kicks off from 2 to 5 p.m. out at the huge, wonderful 7th Street Garden, which itself is worth a visit if you've never been, down at 3215 South 7th Street Road. Uh, you can just come on out from 2 to 5 on Friday the 13th. And that just kicks off a whole series of orchard brigades uh, that continue. Uh, and I will give you those uh, dates later. Uh, the next one after that is Friday the 20th from 2 to 5 out at the Portland Food Forest, 2932 Portland Avenue. And continuing on, well, you can learn more about all of the dates. They run through early March and sign up to volunteer for any of them at foodinneighborhoods.org slash grow. That is the website for the Urban Agriculture Coalition, foodinneighborhoods.org slash grow. Now, you may have an old Christmas tree that you're getting rid of at this time of year. Well, certainly you don't want to send that tree to the landfill. Not only is it a, a valuable resource, it could become mulch or compost and produce new trees uh, or protect existing trees in the landscape. But also, if you put a Christmas tree like any plant material in a landfill, it's going to eventually turn into methane, which is a supercharged greenhouse gas. We don't want that in our atmosphere. So keep those great valuable resources out of the landfill the city is offering two options for you to do so if you can't uh, compost them or mulch them on your own property well you can mulch them with the city christmas tree drop-off sites are available for all louisville and jefferson county restaurants uh, residents at three different locations they are available at the East District Recycling Center, 595 North Hubbard's Lane, and at the Public Works Yard at uh, 10500 Lower River Road, enter from Bethany Lane, and right here in downtown at the Waste Reduction Center, 636 Merriweather Avenue. Trees can be dropped off Tuesday through Saturday from 9 to 5. The Waste Reduction Center, however, closes at 3 p.m. on Saturdays, um, and that's available through January 28th. All locations will be closed on Saturday the 14th for the MLK holiday, but otherwise, drop them off Tuesdays through Saturdays, 9 to 5. The Hubbard's Lane site will uh, also instantly recycle your Christmas trees into mulch that you can then take back home with you. And so if you want to receive the mulch, just bring an appropriate container in which to carry it. Uh, all lights and ornaments, of course, should be removed from the trees before they are dropped off. No one's going to de-trim your tree for you. Uh, we just want the plant material. And again, you can drop it off at East District Recycling Center, Public Works Yard, or the Waste Reduction Center on Merriweather Avenue, Tuesdays through Saturday, 9 to 5 through January 28th. So that's one option. You could mulch your Christmas tree. Or how about sending your Christmas tree to sleep? with the fishes well through sunday january 15th out at the mcneely lake boat ramp on cooper chapel road uh, you can do just that so don't send your real christmas tree to the landfill of course uh, in louisville you can compost it uh, or, or mulch it as mentioned but you can also take your tree out for reuse so the kentucky department of fish and wildlife resources wants your christmas tree to create fish habitats through january 15th the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources will take real trees without any decorations at drop-off sites around the state. They're expecting to get a little more than 5,000 trees total. This year, the trees will then be submerged at various depths in 19 strategically picked lakes to create fish habitat. So, you can drop off your tree to become fish habitat through Sunday, the 15th of January, out at McNeely Lake Boat Ramp here in Jefferson County on Cooper Chapel Road. 
Now, of course, coming up Monday the 16th, we're really looking forward to Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And the University of Louisville is holding their annual MLK celebration at 1 p.m. on Monday at the Playhouse Theater located there at 1911 South 3rd Street. You can join UofL's African American Theater Program as we celebrate the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The program will include community artists and African American Theater Program representatives as we use artistic expression to commemorate MLK's contributions to the world. We will use art as a form of activism and recognize the local companies that are making a difference one performance at a time. We will celebrate with groups like the Real Young Prodigies, Redline Performing Arts, Faith Works Studios, and more. It's all free and open to the public on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, January 16th at 1 p.m. at the Playhouse Theater there at Cardinal Boulevard and 3rd Street at the University of Louisville. Come on out. Now, also, same day... Uh, if you don't want to sit inside and watch this awesome MLK celebration, you can get out and get active and plant some trees with Metro Louisville there doing neighborhood tree plantings in our downtown core. I just did one this past week. So satisfying, so fun to get out there with community members and plant a whole bunch of trees. They actually pre-dig the holes for you. So it's really good, quick work. You get a lot of trees in the ground uh, and it's fun for the whole family. So come on out Monday, January 16th. MLK Day from 1 to 4 p.m. out at Shawnee Park, 4501 West Broadway. Louisville Metro Parks invites you to join them for this fun afternoon of tree planting. They'll be planting 50 trees to make Louisville a little greener. Tools, gloves, and guidance will be provided by the Urban Forestry Team, so no experience is necessary. Groups and families are welcome. In the event of rain on MLK Day, uh, typically uh, the projects will take place the following Sunday from 1 to 4 I'm not sure what will happen with MLK Day. So you want to sign up. All signed up volunteers will be notified of any changes in advance. So sign up today using the My Impact app, and you can find the link for it at bestparksever.com. And this is just one in every other week, a series of neighborhood tree plantings. The next one's Saturday, January 21st. They'll be out at Ruble Park from 1 to 4 p.m. And if you don't get a chance to sign up in advance, you can always just show up. Again, it's Martin Luther King Day, Monday, 1 to 4 p.m. out at Shawnee Park for that tree planting. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. I do hope you have a very wonderful week and a good Martin Luther King Day. And I'll be back in your ears again on that day in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Be well.